0: welcome back uh to what's the deal with alex i switched up the intro music just a little bit to the seinfeld intro music you know everyone knows what that sounds like because <clears throat> i had been pulling um quotes in, from the show where they say what's the deal and then i put that in the beginning but decided to switch it up a little bit and i added a little of a fade in fade out so hopefully it sounds pretty nice uh, so for for today, uh, the, the topics that I want to cover, just, just for fair warning to people who are listening, uh, it's going to be pretty basketball heavy. Um, I've been talking a lot about politics uh, over the last little bit, and I think I want to at least take one podcast where um, I don't talk uh, about everything politics. Um, but like I said, like in my first episode, I think, Um, and it's uh, obvious to a lot of people in society, uh, everything is political nowadays. So, um, the, the first part that I want to, the first topic I want to talk about, uh, is not political, uh, but I guess you could make a case that it is, um, are the, is the hairstyle middle part. So what, for people who don't know what it means, it literally means it's in the, the name of the word you're parting your hair down the middle so just in just in the description of the hairstyle that sounds awful um, that I mean if you were to describe just describe Hitler's mustache you know okay how about you grow a mustache but you just shave like the outer like thirds of it and leave the middle part and then you're like yeah that sounds I'll do that that sounds great what? So who thinks middle part, like why, who invented that? Why do people think they can pull that off? Very, very few people can pull that off. And I'll name one right now that everyone's thinking about. And that person is Jennifer Aniston. Um, And and she doesn't really even do it nowadays. When I Google her, uh, the part is uh, is a little bit on one side. uh, But there are definitely pictures of her. Back in the day where she had a straight middle part and it worked for her just fine. But if I Google pictures of just middle part, um, not like bad or anything, just middle part. Um, I'm looking at pictures of dudes, middle parts. I hate that hairstyle with a passion. Um, There are some pictures here of women with middle parts. Don't do not do that um i'm thinking of the meme with michael jordan in a commercial he's young he says like stop get some help you know like you don't you don't do you really need a middle part right there's there's so many hair you know styles to choose from do you need like middle part that's what you're going to go with right i'd rather you just be bald right just have no hair uh than have a middle part so i don't know why that uh popped into my mind but uh yeah i hate middle parts uh, next, I want to bring up the fact that uh, Jeopardy is looking for a new host, obviously, um, and there are reports uh, that say Lavar Burton is in the running, um, uh, which would be pretty cool. I like Lavar. I think he's pretty cool. I mean, he's been reading Rainbow for a long time. He's recognizable. I'm sure he'd do a great job. I mean, reading rainbow he's obviously good at reading and a big part of jeopardy would be reading some of these tough questions. Cause some of them have like, uh, big bigger words for such low IQ people like me. So I am a fan. So if that, that is what ends up happening, I'm down. Uh, next, uh, would be, uh, this is something my like me and my wife had talked about as a topic. And it'll, you know it'll last like 30 seconds, and it's it's kind of hard to convey in a podcast format. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can you can just just Google uh, Arthur the Aardvark wearing headphones. Um, so when you when you do that, you'll see a picture, a, a kind of like a screenshot, a capture from an episode where he is wearing headphones and you know maybe on first glance you're like mm, what's wrong with this uh this is what's the, why you're bringing this up look at where the headphones are and then look at where the i mean, it's, it, it's a cartoon where his ears are uh how is he able to hear what's coming through the headphones um also another point is uh the man barely has a nose but wears glasses how do they stay on your face? Do you tape them? Is there some sort of like adhesive that you use? Uh, maybe there's like uh, the part that we can't see because it's hidden by the headphone. Maybe a cur- but like there's nothing there. I'm assuming it's just flat part of his head. It's like there is there like a like a suction cup kind of action. I don't know. Uh, and these are answer or these are questions that will never get answers to. Um, but I you know if you haven't seen it, I implore you to Google that look it up for yourself because uh, it, it it really is a thinker um, next is not as funny or uh, um, I mean it, it's really terrible uh, this was came out August 3rd so I'm a little behind but um, Kathy Griffin says she's been diagnosed with lung cancer which is terrible stage one lung cancer so I wonder uh, if which is good, right? It's not, they caught it pretty early. Uh, So, so stage one lung cancer, life expectancy. Um, Current statistics suggest that anywhere from 70 to 92% uh, can expect to live at least five years following their diagnosis, but many patients live far longer given uh, new and effective therapies. So uh, that's awesome. So the fact that it's stage one, um, she's you know her chances of living at least five another five years are very very high, and then even longer is uh, is better. Um, and you know, me being who I am, I you know I don't think I've made my political leanings and you know the ideas that I have politically uh, a secret. Kathy Griffin uh, is not you know on my side, you know, but I would never in a million years wished that she had lung cancer or got diagnosed with cancer. So I'm like, this is legitimately a bummer. Um, no, I mean, she's, and she says that, uh, um, she says she has never smoked. And so like, it's just, she just got unlucky, you know? Um, so that really, that really sucks. Um, so hopefully she'll get better. And according to the, the stats on it, she will. Um, but I, I am going to kind of take, a I guess, a cynical or negative turn. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a logical one. Um, so I don't know if you remember uh, a presidential candidate uh, named Herman Cain. Um, Herman Cain ran for president. What, 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 what election was that? Uh, the 2012 candidacy. And he, for like a hot second for the Republican primaries was in the lead. And uh, he is a very, very successful black American businessman. And he, uh, his big thing was the 999 tax plan. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, I'll click on the link. Uh, it was a tax plan where uh, you, he would wipe away all tax, the current tax code, all of it, start all over. And, <clears throat> And you would pay a 9% personal income tax and 9% federal sales tax and a 9% corporate tax so that's why he would call it the 999 plan um, I remember you know 2012 I was that's when I turned uh, 18 that's when I graduated high school um, I do remember Herman Kane and I remember liking him I mean he had this I remember when his campaign kind of fell off it's crazy how, how political campaigns can be decided over like like one thing. He had one weird ad where he's like smoking a cigarette in it or something. And it was just very weird. And I think ever since then, it kind of people didn't want to associate with him, but he still stayed politically active even after, um, even after, uh, not winning the, the, uh, nomination. um, but what's, what I, I do want to make an observation, and, and I've noticed this uh, as, I, uh, as I look through and I research you know, black conservatives, is that they always seem to get um, accused of sexual misconduct. It just so happens. I mean, you know, Clarence Thomas was the same way. Um, Herman Cain was accused, and <clears throat> I'm sure there are other people, too. Um, it just seems like, you know, I'm not saying he didn't do it. I, I don't know. He denied it, but that, that, that's as far as it goes. Um, but, uh, he passed away. Um, and let's see if I can go down to his health and death. He passed away in, on July 30th, 2020. And the official like headline was that he died of COVID, Right. And it was this poetic justice because he was anti-mask. He didn't, he didn't like being forced to wear a mask, right? That was basically his whole, his whole thing. And so uh, the theory is that he attended a Trump rally uh, where he was photographed not wearing a mask. And then he tested positive for COVID. So he's like, oh, that's where he got it. Obviously, I mean, you can't prove that necessarily. Um, and it's like, who's to say that even if he was wearing a mask, Uh, he would still get COVID, right? I mean, uh, during the peak, whenever it was the worst of the worst of the worst, right? We were, you know, it it was literally like July, June, you know, those months last year, when we were really peaking in terms of cases per day, deaths per day, the seven-day rolling average, all that stuff, uh, mask mandates were everywhere. Uh, So if that's the case... Um, why shouldn't we have seen a reduction? You know, not like, um, you know, like we would have seen a climb before we started the mandate. But then, as soon as we started the mandate, it would slow down and then go the other direction. That didn't happen. So who's to say? If even if he was wearing a mask, he might still would have gotten COVID. But something they don't tell you, um, um, is that in two thousand six he was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer right and so we just got done talking about uh kathy griffin and the the chances of survival for stage one lung cancer uh i'm interested to see when uh, or what the survival rate is for stage four colon cancer that was in 2006 right um stage four colon cancer for your chances of living five more years is about 14 percent it's incredible um uh, absolutely incredible I mean it's probably even, like the longer out you go it's probably even worse because um, there's not really anything you can do besides you know surgery um but it, it said that it had metastasized to his liver you know and depending on how bad it was in his liver there might have been nothing they could do so his days might have been numbered anyways um so life expectancy with, with a, an aggressive cancer like colon cancer is really low. But I'm just, I bring that up because uh, um, yeah, and he was given a thirty percent chance of survival. He went, he, he had chemo, uh, and then went to remission, you know, which is a miracle. Um, but that obviously is a pre-existing condition and probably played a role. Into the fact that he died from COVID, not only to mention the fact that he was 74. So, uh, and the only reason I'm bringing that up in kind of uh, retrospect or in, uh, in opposition to Kathy Griffin, uh, where I uh, genuinely, I, I, I mean, I'm sincerely mean this. Uh, I I don't wish anything bad to happen to people I disagree with. That's that, that has never been. Conservatives generally don't do that. Libertarians don't do that. People on the right, who are reasonable, right? Except for like, if you're on the far right, right, you're 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 basically bought into the the cult of personality that is Donald Trump. You're 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 even you're super far right. You're a white supremacist. Yeah, maybe you you're all right. You know, um, yeah, maybe you would wish ill will to your opponents. You'd wish bad things to happen. Uh, but I would say the vast, vast majority of people on the right do not wish like they, we're we're decent people. We're, we're not trying to like we don't we don't do that. So let's let's uh, I guess <clears throat> compare that to the the Twitter reaction on the day of his death. So on on Twitter, I'm searching just for tweets that contain Herman Cain on um since from july 30th to 31st so this guy some rando uh said chrono deniers deserve what they get herman cain is now worm food and deservedly so uh so just because he didn't want to wear a mask and was against being being you know federally mandated to wear a mask he deserves to die Is basically what this guy's saying um Uh, Donald Trump has taken Herman Cain right they blame Donald Trump for his death basically Uh, it's uh, pretty crazy Herman Cain what a silly effing goose shame on you Herman Cain Uh, um, let's see this guy says Herman Cain survived colon cancer only to be sacrificed at the altar of Trump's skepticism science skepticism (laughs) <laughs> that's a ridiculous tweet. This tweet uh, is, is in response to another one that is saying, uh, you know, basically saying that he loves Herman Cain. Uh, and then this guy responds as Herman Cain was an ignorant man who died because he was arrogant. Um, that's a pretty nice thing to say. Um, this guy uh, is trying to make himself feel better, I guess, on the inside for... Uh, celebrating Herman Cain's death. It's a, he says, it's not that people are happy Herman Cain died. It's just that they're vindicated and that vindication gives them hope that maybe others, uh, with Cain's dangerous and destructive beliefs will re-examine and reconsider thereby saving their lives off. Ah, of course. Right. You're not celebrating his death. You're, you're just vindicated. Right. Uh, of course. Yes. I, I totally, I totally believe you. Makes sense. um, so I adjusted my search parameters on Twitter a little bit, <clears throat> and and the the advanced search function on Twitter is is not as good as maybe uh, like some of the Google dorking that you can do. And if you don't know what Google dorking is, just look it up. But uh, I went to the the Herman Cain uh, if that's his handle, and just started looking at some replies to tweets. Um. And people still tweet about this guy. This guy tweeted August 13th, 2020. Um, you died because you attended a Trump rally. You have nothing else to add to yo, to yo, I guess. I mean, he you're, or to this conversation. Um. Dear Herman, you put your eggs in the wrong basket. Rest in peace, sir. I'm sure she uh, sincerely means that. P.S., You really should have worn the darn mask. And then post a gif of, uh... I can't can't think of his name right now, but he's like, you know, what the crap. Um, this guy says, I thought death was the cure for stupid. Nice. Very nice. Um, yeah, and people also bring up the the, uh, sexual allegations. Um this guy uh, has the audacity to say, uh, had Joe Biden been president during this pandemic, Herman Cain would likely still be alive. Th- that reminds me, and maybe I'll, uh, I'll include a clip r- right now that, uh, back when, you know, eight, when Obama was running, I mean, I could even pull up a clip where Joe Biden said something similar. Um, but it always seems to be Democrats to do this. Uh, and then this will be the last political thing I talk about. And then I want to talk about this basketball uh, thing that I find very interesting. Um, but back in 08, uh, Barack Obama was giving a speech and he said, you know, basically I, I'm paraphrasing, but I'll, I'll, I'll play the, the clip so that you hear it and you know what it is. He's uh, like, if you vote for me, you know, I'll stop the oceans from rising and, you know, I'll stop the apocalypse. Right. And Joe Biden kind of did the same thing, where he uh, he basically said, um, "You know, elect me. And I'm gonna stop this virus. It's gonna, it's gonna end. I'm gonna I'm gonna cure it." Um, so so far, I don't think that's going too well, according to the left. Even though you know, I, you know, I won't get into that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the uh, the the clip of Obama talking about how he's gonna stop the oceans from rising, somehow.
1: Because if we are willing to work for it and fight for it and believe in it, then I am absolutely certain that generations from now, we will be able to look back and tell our children that this was the moment when we began to provide care for the sick and good jobs to the jobless. This was the moment when the rise of the oceans began to slow and our planet began to heal. This was the moment when we ended a war and secured our nation and restored our image as the last best hope on earth.
0: Yeah, I uh, wasn't exaggerating. He literally said, This is the moment, you know, this is the, the magical moment, the the Messiah moment that when you vote for me, um, you know, I'll stop the oceans from rising, because uh, that was a big, that was happening, I guess, really fast. Uh, and then, We can heal the planet and we'll get, we'll pull out of this war, uh, which I, you know, kind of want to point out as a, uh, oopsie. Um, looking back, I mean, that was in 2008, right? We got a lot of hindsight, uh, pulling out when we did is the reason ISIS exists. Um, so I'm not sure that was such a great idea, but yeah, uh, pretty, pretty insane. Uh, very very similar to that to the, the very sl- similar sentiment to that tweet that, that I talked about earlier so like I said uh, you can look it up you can go to his twitter click on any of his tweets and look at the replies people are like we're glad you're dead woohoo you're an idiot you know uh, or they'll blame Trump for his death stuff like that all kinds of stuff um, but if Joe Biden had been president he'd be alive and nobody would have died um, but you know here we go. So the next topic is a little bit—I uh, don't want to say complicated. It's not complicated. It really isn't. But it's about basketball. Surprise, surprise. I haven't talked about basketball in uh, a little bit. But there's there's two things I want to talk about. One thing, real quick, that uh, people seem to forget about Michael Jordan is that—I mean—they don't forget this. Everyone knows that he like randomly retired after his dad died. Right, you know, I I don't blame them. I don't blame that. That that that's fine. That, totally okay. Um. But he retires, so he leaves. And, um, let's check out how his team did while he was gone. So we can pull up uh, on BasketballReference.com, which is a great uh website if you want to be overloaded with with stats <clears throat> so the 93 94 bulls right um you look at their uh their roster i don't see a michael jordan um a lot of the same players are still on here tony Kuko, steve kerr luke longley john paxton scotty pippen um all kinds of guys B.J. Armstrong, people underrated guy. Bill Cartwright was underrated, I think. People don't remember him. He was really good. Um, how they do right? Best player ever. Best player to ever play the game. Best player to ever touch a basketball. Uh, he leaves right. You think their performance would 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 suffer? Right? Uh, you'd be wrong. Their record was fifty five and twenty seven, and they finished second in the uh, Central Division. And they uh, their, ex- <laughs> their expected win-loss was 50 and 32. So it's like they, they didn't even expect to uh, um, lose that many games. But they, they overperformed um, in, in terms of uh, maybe that's just, you know, Phil Jackson being a good coach. I, I, I don't know. Um, but you think if you're missing the best player of all time, and to some people, the distance between him and everybody else is huge. So, You'd think there'd be a big deal. Um, But so they won the first round, you know, because back then it was a best of five early on. Uh, Won the first round 3 0, and then in a seven game series against the Knicks, you know, in 1984, the Knicks were really good. You know, Patrick Ewing and whatnot, um, John Starks and and Cast, uh, they lost in seven. So that was really close. Imagine if they had, you know, beat them. Uh I mean we can even look at the bracket here. Um in the Eastern Conference Finals it was the Knicks and the Pacers and the Knicks um beat the Pacers and the Knicks went to the finals and lost to the Rockets in seven. So it's like they were one game away from playing the Pacers, who were pretty good, you know, we look at them, but they finished forty seven and thirty-five. Um not necessarily the greatest um, team of all time, right? Obviously, when you think of that team, you think of Reggie Miller. Um, but they were one game away from making it to the Eastern Conference Finals <clears throat> by beating the Knicks, who ended up beating the Pacers. So you'd think if they beat the Knicks and they took their spot, they could beat the Pacers. Then they would be in the finals at least. I'm not saying they would beat Houston Rockets because they were, they were a really good team. They finished 58-24, but with – and, I mean, they had uh, Hakeem and Kenny Smith and guys like that, Um, and Sam Sam Cassell too, man. Scott Brooks was on there too. Shout out, Scott Brooks. Um, But I want to contrast that with the season – the Cleveland Cavaliers after LeBron left, right? So – you know, we compare. We, we just talked about MJ, greatest basketball player of all time, according to a lot of people, a lot of old heads. You know, a lot of people who were who grew up during that time, who watched him play. Right? Um, they think he's he's better by far, no doubt. So uh, he leaves obviously in 2010 with the decision, which was in hindsight, I'm sure he regrets it. Uh, it was not a good look. It was it was all around bad. Uh, but. Their record that they finished with was 19 and 63. I'm going to pause and look up uh, the worst records ever in NBA history. So, I mean, the NBA has been around a long time. So there have been some bad teams. uh, I'll tell you what. Um, But they're tied for 49th. Worst record ever in the history Of the NBA. And that's just by most losses. By winning percentage, uh, I'm not sure. Um, If we look at, I mean, I guess I could control that. Um, Yeah, so as winning percentage, they're they're not even. Which makes sense because, I mean, they played a lot of games. And the only reason the Charlotte Bobcats are number one is because that was a lockout year. So they didn't get to play as many games. So they only won seven. So, it went 7-59. But, the fact that he leaves, right, and I'm looking at the roster, and it's mostly the same, right? We got J.J. Hickson, we got Anton Jameson, Jamar Anthony Parker, a lot of, a lot of, like, Mo Williams is still on the team. A lot of guys who were there when he was there, still there, so it's not like it was, you know, oh, he left and just so happened that, you know, this, the, the roster changed a lot, too. I mean, the roster had changed a lot, you know, because he lost LeBron James, but... Um, yeah, I mean, the, the drop-off was enormous. I mean, let's, we, we can look at, uh, the, the 2010, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron, uh, averaged, uh, 29.7, so basically 30 points, a block, a steal and a half, nine assists, seven rebounds, um, and shot, uh, o- almost 55%. Uh, that was his, his uh, effective field goal percentage. His actual field goal percentage was fifty, you know, ten of twenty, uh, and he shot thirty-three percent from three. So you know, not his strongest, um, but in, on two pointer, two pointers, he shot fifty-six percent, uh, which is just, uh, I mean, is ridiculous. I mean, the only person who were who had a better percentage in terms of two pointers were the two centers. <laughs> so, which makes sense because, I mean, they're not going to take a shot, you know, outside of seven feet from the basket. <clears throat> but the drop-off from 9 10 for Cleveland, they won 61 games. And then LeBron leaves and uh, they lost 63 the next season <laughs> and only won 19. Um, so I'm not saying that, that just because of that, like, oh, that makes LeBron better, but... It is a kind of an interesting point that I think I've spent way too much time on because uh, it's 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 funny to me. Um, but what I want to talk about is something that bothers me that I'll hear from time to time. You know, It's not like I'm surrounded and I talk about basketball all the time. Not everyone's as interested in basketball as I am. I understand that, so I don't talk about it a lot. But I know this argument exists out there. And I know people bring it up, you know, online, on Reddit, on stuff, you know, and other places, and it can get kind of annoying, right? You know, I wasn't really alive during the '80s, right? I mean, not not really. I was not alive during the '80s, and then during the '90s, uh, I was born in '94, so uh, uh, you know, by the end of that decade, uh, I was like six, so I don't really remember the NBA very much. So not my experience, and even. Uh, the early 2000s uh, I was a young kid still <clears throat> um, uh, but people look back on the 80s and 90s and even the early 2000s as like the glory the glory days of the NBA you know it was more physical uh, you know they had the best players right it was the dream team was the what, 92 Olympics you know uh, but little little known fact about uh, the late 70s all the way through the 80s is that the NBA had a huge cocaine problem um, that really culminated into, uh, into an event when Lynn uh, Bias OD'd on cocaine two days after he got drafted in '86. Um, and so I just want to mention that, right? You know, that, that, that is a blemish on the history of the NBA. Uh, with their substance policy and their their ability to enforce the rules and, and stuff like that. Um, I guess maybe it was a, a, a newer thing, uh, but really there's not really an excuse. I mean, someone died. Um, but the argument is that in the 80s and 90s, right, because of hand checking, which hand checking uh, is when an offender uses one or both hands to initiate contact on an offensive player. That's it to i.e. check them and impede the progress that's all um and so because of that there there people would say it was harder to score so the fact that now hand checking has been removed you know jordan could score 100 points you know right now even though he's in it's like almost 60 or something like that um but uh i want to so the one question i want to ask is if in the 80s and 90s, it was. I mean, I think objectively very physical. I mean, there were some. If you, if you just Google some clips and stuff, there was some pretty intense stuff that nowadays, if they were to happen, you would get suspended, or straight up just kicked out of the league. Um, so if it if it's true, let's say it, let's just say it's true. It's more physical. Is that better for the game? Is that what you really want for your players to just get like shell-backed when they go up for a layup? Um, and, and then to say that it's more physical than to, than today is, uh, a little disingenuous because when you, when you watch modern basketball and you watch big men down low, they get beat up, right? They get smacked around. Um, I should have probably done some research on, on injury rates over the years, but, uh, that's not really relevant to what, what I want to talk about. It's, uh, it's the, the fact that um, it's the, the fact that uh, a lot of old, pe- old heads, quote unquote, people who are retired now, look back and be like, it was a man's game, right? It was tougher. Now everyone's soft. That's why Jordan could score average 100, right? Score 200 points. doesn't matter. Um, <clears throat> without getting into my main uh, source material. Uh, because there's a YouTuber uh, called, I think you would say it's called Jimmy High Roller, but it's spelled J-X-M-Y High Roller. Uh, he's pretty, pretty popular, uh, has several million subscribers. But he made a video talking about um, this argument that uh, back in the day, it was a tougher game and that nowadays everyone's soft. You know, ever you know, everyone's soft, and uh, they you know you get a, a foul call for breathing on someone wrong, right? Um, so if that were true, right, you'd see this huge spike in free throw attempts uh, as the years have gone on since the nineties. Um, but but one thing I want to point out, just for for Michael Jordan, uh, his free throw attempts in eighty six eighty seven, he averaged twelve. 12 free throw attempts a game, uh, 87, 88, 10 and a half. The lowest he's a- averaged uh, during his like prime, I would say, would be, I guess, 7 or 8, right? Um, so if we pull up LeBron, who, if mind you, his game, when when you compare the game of, of Michael Jordan and the game of LeBron James, Uh LeBron James has altered his game a lot over the course of his career, but Jordan was definitely known for his turnaround jumper. That's how I mean his mid range game, that that was his that was his jam. I mean obviously he'd get to the rim, but it was it was that mid range jumper. Uh the most LeBron ever averaged was ten. And um and that's when he would attempt I don't know if it tells me. Yeah, he would attempt 18 two-pointers point, two every game. So that's telling me he's getting to the rim. Um, I'd like to see... I wonder if I get, like, a shot chart. That would be uh, really, I think, interesting. Um, okay. All right. I found it. Uh, so this is LeBron's shot chart in 2005. Um of all the shots he took are in the paint, right? So, and in the paint is where you're most likely to be fouled, right? Um, Especially in the days, uh, I mean, I guess, especially in the days before hand checking, but mostly when it comes to, in, in general, teams get to the line more, when they drive to the basket that's how um, that's you know when they get fouled right because they they beat their man off the dribble or off a screen or off some sort of action and they're getting to the the rim and somebody wants to stop the easy layup so they foul them uh that's just uh, a, a general known fact um but when we look at michael jordan's ridiculous 12 free att- <laughs> throw attempts a game um and I can look up real quick, James, because James Harden uh, shoots a lot of free throws too. Uh, and the most that he's ever attempted in a season is the the exact same twelve. So, uh, and and people yell at uh, Harden all the time for for flopping. I mean, the the, the whole uh, notion of like superstars getting the calls started with Michael Jordan. Um, so, oh, actually, he actually averaged a 10th of a free throw more than than the highest james harden ever did so that was 86 87 so what was his what was uh lebron or michael jordan's michael jordan's um shot chart uh i wasn't able to find uh, on this this stat news website just for that one season um but to put it into perspective lebron in his highest free throw attempt season uh 64 of his shots came in the paint for lebron his entire career uh was 54 percent so um so i mean I, so can i do a shot chart i mean i shot chart for uh what 97 let's say 97 um it was even less i mean I think 97 was part of the, uh, one of the repeats, wasn't it? Yes. That was one of the championships that he won and he shot 51% <laughs> at the paint. So the shot chart, the shot selection difference between Michael Jordan and LeBron James obviously is different. Um, I'm gonna get a little, I'm on a little bit of a tangent. Um, but something that I wanted to bring up was, uh, the history of NBA scoring, uh, and talk about that over time. Right. So since 1946, 19, the 46, 47 to 2017, 2018, that's what we're dealing with here. Uh, scoring was, uh, ridiculous. Um, not at forty six, forty seven, not even close, but 20 years later during the sixties, uh, the pace and the amount of shots taken taken, uh, per game was high. I mean, the highest I'm looking at here and it says, um, first all time was the 61, 62 season where 107 shots were taken a game and the league averaged 118 points per game. Uh, which sounds amazing. I mean, very entertaining um, to watch, right? I mean, when when you watch a basketball game and, and neither team scores more than a hundred, that's uh, I mean, that's a boring basketball game to watch. I mean, if you like defense, I guess if it is a defensive game, if they just suck at shooting, then yeah, it's a, that's a bad product. I don't want to watch that. But this says uh, there's a 13 season stretch from '95. To 96 through 07 08 um, is the longest stretch in NBA history in which the league averaged under 100 points. Um, and so, if, if you, you can't see the chart here, but you can see when they changed the rule, they changed the illegal defense rule, which I'll talk about in a second, because I have, like, I talk about this YouTuber, Jimmy Highroller guy. Uh, made a whole video about it, and I want to pull some clips because he explains it really, really well. Um, that in in before 2003, uh, people usually don't know this. There was this rule called a legal defense, um, which basically meant you had to play man-to-man or commit to a hard double team. You couldn't hedge screens. You couldn't like like nowadays with people who who are bad three-point shooters. You couldn't just sag off and not guard anybody right or be you know 10 feet away from your guy you had to be up on him otherwise it was a technical free throw and the the team gets the ball uh and that was called frequently and that was one of the reasons why there was an enormous decrease in scoring from you know the mid 80s all the way until early 2000 when they decided to change that rule So, uh, and then as soon as they, they change it, and they allowed basically the, the existence of zone defense, right, um, which allows you to uh, obviously not hit, do, everything, do everything I just said you couldn't do um, so be able to play zone, not necessarily guard a man, but guard an area, and uh, they allowed that to happen. Uh, and then obviously big men really didn't like that, and it just so happens that it kind of coincides with the last time uh, a, a, a forward, a power forward or a center, won MVP. Um, I mean, I guess you could say Giannis is kind of different, but he, he plays more of a point forward role than a necessarily back to the basket, grind it out type game, like a Shaquille O'Neal or a Tim Duncan, something like that. Because in a zone, you can pack the paint and make it very hard to score in the paint you know so uh how do you beat zone defenses uh by shooting threes because that's what they're willing to give up right because what what happens is you you dribble up you can set a screen you go over uh somebody is going to come over to help or nobody comes to help and you just shoot it because you're wide open someone comes to help you pass to that guy that guy shoots or you beat your guy off the dribble somebody has to collapse you kick it out and shoot three there you go um so zone zone is a very uh i guess low IQ defense but so is man right i mean you can describe man defense to like a 6 year old uh executing an, a, a, a really good zone defense is is hard to do um which means it's hard to be um but i want i want to play some clips <clears throat> um from the uh, the video I was talking about. But first, there's one more set of uh, stats I want to bring up um, over the course of the entire history of the NBA, right? I can go to basketball reference and I can look up averages per game, right? And uh, when, you, when, we, when we look at pace, let's well, actually, can we, I wish we could do advanced stats because um, that would be I guess I, th- I think a better I guess they have offensive rating here we'll do which is an, an estimate of points produced or scored per 100 possessions that's all offensive rating is so um the highest ever offensive rating since the beginning of the NBA is this past season the 2020 2021 season um Offensive rating uh, is a good indication of uh, obviously how effective your uh, offense is. Uh, pace: when you sort pace, the highest ever pace was the seventy-three seventy-four season, um, but the <clears throat> twenty twenty-one is nineteenth at ninety-nine point two. And all pace is is an estimate of possessions per forty-eight minutes. Um, field goal percentage. Uh, was pretty high in the 80s, but the biggest thing I want to point out is that, uh, you know, they they say, you know, it's a tougher game back then, softer now, people get calls for no reason, hand checking was allowed, so it wasn't a foul. Uh, Let's look at free throw attempts, right? Uh, (laughs) This kind of blows my mind, this is off topic, but in the fifty-seven, fifty-eight season, there were thirty-eight free throw attempts a game. What? That that sounds awful. Like an awful, awful game to watch. <laughs> um, but if we get out of the extremes of the early NBA, uh, what what comes up first when we scroll down? So from from one all the way down to like twenty-four, it's you know the early uh, NBA. Um, but right at 25 is 86-87, 85-86, 83-84, 84-85. It's the 80s and the 90s. Um, a lot of free throw attempts uh, per game. You know, we're talking 28, 29, 30, uh, 27. Keep going. Um, where does the 2021 season rank? Second to last at 21.8 free throw attempts per game. So, if the, it was such a man's game, why are there so many fouls called? Uh, so, I just want to point that out. All right. So, <clears throat> I'm going to play some audio clips uh, where he does a really good job explaining his argument. And then I'll kind of react to it and add my two cents. And uh, um, then I'll talk about what the, what the NBA has done. Because... Immediately players complained about zone defense because they were like, what the heck, you know, uh, I want one-on-one defense because that's super easy to beat if I'm just quicker than you. So so here's the definition of illegal defense before I get into the clips. Zone defense, or anything that resembled one, was completely illegal. You had to either be guarding your man or the ball uh, and nothing in between. You could double team the ball and help a teammate. But it had to be clear that that was your intention. So there you go. So Ben Simmons and then bad shooters in general, you couldn't just leave out alone at three-point line. You had to literally stand next to them. So I want to provide a little bit of context for this clip. It's Steven Jackson talking about LeBron James uh, as an example of how soft the NBA has got. So listen to this. And then i'll provide my two cents
1: listen to this clip of stephen jackson speaking on lebron james and the current state of nba physicality considering how how lebron is not hitting the floor on going up for layups and dunks considering how easy it is to him you got to go with lebron nobody's making it difficult for him nobody's not it's just, it looks like to me that nobody's even trying to stop him that's how easy it looks but i come from an era well, big man didn't mind getting dunked on. It's a part of the game. You're playing against the best players in the world. You're yep. going to get dunked on. But nobody's challenging them. Nobody's bumping them. Nobody's trying to get them out of the game. Like, all, all that's a lost art of the game. And I'm not saying be dirty. Sure. But it's a part, of the, a, a, a part of the physicality of the game that's not in the game no more. And if it's not, LeBron's going to average triple-doubles for the next four or five years. Now, this is one of Steven Jackson's favorite lines. I come from an era when followed up by some statement that may or may not be true. But pause. Steven Jackson was drafted just three seasons before LeBron and retired in 2014. They played in the same exact era. LeBron played one season within the handshaking era and averaged 21,
0: 6, and 5 as an 18-year-old. So uh yeah. I mean, <laughs> Stephen Jackson. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna necessarily comment on his intelligence level, but I mean, how do how do you not how did you how do you not know that you played? I mean, your your career coincided with LeBron's a lot. Like, not even it overlapped significantly. Not just like a little bit, but a lot. And 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 like uh, it said in the quote, he he loves to bring that up a lot. And I love what he said at the end that that LeBron, as an eighteen-year-old, averaged like you know twenty-five and five. Uh, so I think he, and that was in, during the hand check rule. Uh, so I think uh, he'd have been all right during the eighties and nineties. Um, but it just, I mean, it's the way old heads act, man. It's the way people look back on their generation of whatever it is. It's not necessarily even sports. It's 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 everything. Every uh, every pastime that you have, you always think that your generation was the best, right? Um, that, that you're, what, what you witnessed and what you were a part of and what what you experienced, that was the best it's ever been. And ever since then it's been in decline, or at least there's something wrong with it. Um, so I mean, the, <laughs> I guess I, I don't want to call it hypocrisy, but it is definitely a very stupid argument for him to make. This next clip is from the same video and it describes how in the modern NBA, if we still had the illegal defense rule, and I'll remind you that that means you have to play man-to-man. You can't hedge. You can't just like not guard anybody, right? Um, He's going to describe how that would be abused today by the best players in in the NBA. And the example he uses is Giannis. Uh, So I'll let him... uh, Talk, and then uh, I'll, I'll I'll add more to it. Let's use the Bucks as an example. If Giannis
1: Antetokounmpo played in the 90s, all the Bucks would have to do is clear out on the weak side and allow Giannis to abuse his defender and race at the basket. The defensive players would be forced to follow their man outside too far away to help even if the player they're guarding isn't an outside threat. The only other option is to double team Giannis
0: and again leave your man completely open. So it makes a great point, right? If legal defense was still part of the game, which, I mean, the reason the NBA changed the rule was because the the product on TV was getting crampier and crampier by the year. I mean, that's why soccer is so boring, right? When a game can end 0-0, there's something wrong with your sport. So, more points means more excitement. Like, that's what, I mean, this is kind of a, a weird analogy, but think about like Transformers movies. Uh, Michael Bay has this principle of the three B's it's, uh, boobs, butts, and booms. And that's what I, what I want to see when I watch the NBA, not necessarily boobs, butts and booms, but I want to see points. I want to see Steph hit 40 footers. I want to see LeBron dunk on somebody. I want to see Giannis do a Euro step and dunk on somebody. And I want to see them score 120 bajillion points. Um, I don't necessarily want to see terrible defense but at the same time I don't want to watch a game that's 61 to 57 so uh, but the point he's making is and by weak side he's just saying the opposite side of Giannis so just clear out basically so just get out of the way so it's a one-on-one so obviously it's Giannis he's 6'11 uh, I mean he, he's li- literally a Greek god um, there is no guarding him one-on-one no matter what right you you try to guard him with like some sort of guard uh he's eight inches taller than that guy he'll go just go right over you you try to guard him with some sort of forward power forward center or whatever they're way too slow he'll blow by them and it's a dunk like he said your other option you know your other your only other option you know i I mean if he's a bad free throw shooter like they did with jack you could foul him on purpose Uh, but as he proved in game six of the finals that's not the case really um you'd have to double team him and with with the way the bucks roster is constructed and most rosters are constructed uh your average nba player can hit a wide open three Uh, i mean that's what they practice all the time so uh if that was still around today it would just be that over and over and over again. There would be no creativity on offense. You would not get um, the, the, the magic and the art that was the Golden State offense in 2016. Um, the final nail in the coffin for this argument for me is <clears throat> this, this, this empirical analysis of, uh, of, the, of the all-star team selections uh, of that year where hand-checking was removed. So take a look at the All-Stars for that last year of hand-checking and then the All-Stars for the first year of non-hand-checking and compare their stats, their season stats, how much they scored. You'd think, right, that after hand-checking was removed, they'd score more because it'd be easy, and defense was softer, according to the, these people. Uh, but I'm going to play a clip from from this guy, and I'll, I'll leave a link in the, the description of this uh, podcast for uh, the YouTube channel and the uh, YouTube video itself because it's like 20 minutes long and it goes into a lot of depth and so it's, it's super great um, but he, here's him kind of uh, breaking it down in the between the, I think the 03 and 04 seasons.
1: Players back then were just better at putting the ball in the hoop so what about players that played before and after the hand check rule? If fans are right about this rule, then these players that played before and after the hand check rule should have seen a significant increase in offensive output after the rule came into effect. Well, to find out, I took a look at every player that made the all-star team in 2003 and took a close look at their numbers. These are players that reached their peak right around the time that the hand check rule came into effect. Some of them later in their careers, some early in their careers. But for the most part, players that had great years before and and after this rule. Out of the 21 All-Stars that season, 18 of them had a higher points-per-game average when hand-checking was allowed, and only 3 players had a higher points-per-game average after the hand-checking rule was established. Out of the NBA's top 21 players that transitioned from a hand-checking NBA to a
0: non-hand-checking NBA, 86% scored far more. So there you have it. I mean, I I don't understand the... I I mean, I'm trying to think of a counter-argument or an explanation why, um, because there weren't any other rule changes um, in regards to what was just talked about. Um, But yeah, when hand-checking was removed, they scored less. And the reason is because of the illegal defense rule. So... um, the The whole point I'm trying to make here is that the argument that today's NBA is soft and is not as good even as uh, the earlier NBA, the golden age of the NBA, is just not true. Um, and I even use, uh, and I like to do this a lot when I make uh, you know logical or, or, or arguments in general, is uh, come from a common sense point of view. Just think about uh, the way humanity has progressed just in general, right? Uh, we live longer. We have, you know, we have more money. We have access to more things. Uh, we, there's the internet. Everyone has a phone. I mean, everything in life has gotten better and progressed far, you know, at an exponential rate even, and more than we could have imagined. But somehow uh, basketball players from the 80s are better than the ones that are today, even though, you know, uh, training has gotten better. Medical rehabilitation has gotten better. Um, recruiting and scouting has gotten better from mistakes that people have made in the past. Uh, I just don't understand the argument that the NBA is not as good as it once was really when you, when you boil it down, um, I could see. And I don't personally agree with this, but I could see the argument being made that the elite of the elite, right? The top playmakers, you know, the LeBrons, the Giannis's, <clears throat> the Anthony davises I mean, those, those guys who are the, you know, when you think of the top five players in the NBA, those players uh, are not necessarily better than the top five of the 80s, right? Uh, but it's everybody else that is significantly better, right? Think about your average bench warmer or your average scrub in you know 1982 and then think about your average scrub in the league now. I mean case in, a, good, a good example in my point would be Alex Caruso. Um, that guy uh, I mean when you look at him looks like uh, me basically uh, he's like a thinning balding white guy. Uh, but has highlights of him dunking on people and is a valuable rotation player uh, and makes a lot of money Uh, another example would be Cameron Payne Um, back then uh, playing basketball in Europe uh, I think I think was was a thing people did do that but it wasn't as uh, lucrative as it is now but Cameron Payne at one point was considered by most to be the worst player in the NBA like I mean to, to be on a roster, at least. Um, he was terrible. Spent it like a year in China. Uh, no team wanted him. Um, the head coach for the Phoenix Suns, uh, Byron Scott, uh, knew Cameron and uh, reached out and gave him like one last shot. And, the, you know, when they, I think it was in the, the conference finals when they're playing the Clippers and, and Chris is out because of COVID. Cameron Payne takes over and he drops like 30 points. Like nine assists or something. Um, like, that just doesn't happen. That didn't happen back then. So my, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that not the, the, maybe the ceiling isn't necessarily higher, which, like I said, I don't, I don't 100% agree with. But let's say that's true. The ceiling isn't any higher. But the floor has definitely been raised, has been risen, right? Like, the worst players now are way better than the worst players then. Uh, no doubt, and I don't think that's really an arguable uh, position, or uh, you can't really make a counter argument effectively. Um, so obviously, uh, I mean, it was very quick. Uh, NBA players did not like the fact that people could play zone because um, you know it was easier to score. Obviously, back when you could just play whenever you were playing against man. Um, <clears throat> that's why a lot of modern NBA defenses. Kind of do this mixture of man and zone and, and, and switching and stuff like that. Um, but that's when they instituted, and I, and I had to look it up what year they instituted, the, uh, the defensive three-second rule. Because back in the day, you could just stand in the paint forever, kind of like in high school. In high school, uh, you can just stand on defense. You can just stand underneath the basket for as long as you want. Uh, I remember doing that. It's awesome. Uh, but the NBA has a defensive three-second rule where you get it's a, it's a team if you commit that uh, the other team gets a technical free throw and the ball back. Um, so you can't be in the paint for longer than three seconds, and that was introduced in 01, 02. Um, so, <clears throat> so and then 01 was when they changed the rule for illegal defenses, and uh, uh, handshake rule was changed a couple of times throughout but the last thing, I think the last time it was changed was, was Oh four. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of, I mean, that was the majority of what I wanted to talk about. I know I didn't want to be very political. It did. There was some politics in it, but mostly it was about this, uh, this argument that most people make about the NBA. Um, and I wanted to kind of like deconstruct it and break it down with audio clips from somebody who, who's done their own research. Um. So, uh, I, I want to end on a clip. One more clip, of of Giannis. Um. If you if you if you don't know, uh, Giannis Ante Ante Uh. He's from Greece. He's a mixture of uh, Greece and Nigerian. Um. And he's uh, an absolute freak of nature. He's 26 years old. I'm actually a couple of months uh, older than he is, which is ridiculous. He just won his first NBA championship. Um. Probably not his last. Um, he's 6'11", like, I mean, I don't know what he's listed at, like 230 or something like that. But when you look at him, he's not that he's, he's, he's jacked, he's huge and he's able to literally, uh, take two steps from the three point line and dunk the basketball. Um, and then when he Euro steps, his legs are so long and, and he's so big, uh, they cover so much space that you can't take a charge. He just goes right around you and dunks because um, his hands are massive and he's just a big dude. Um, but this guy is 26 years old and he's in an interview. I don't know. I think it, it was after one. I think it was after game four of the finals when they tied uh, the, the, of, of the, the NBA finals this past season. Um, they asked him, you know, most players don't really figure out the maturity thing until you know their 30s you know until they're later in their career but you seem like a pretty humble guy you know what's your secret how'd you figure it out you know and so his his answer is incredible but also the fact that he's answering this question not in his native language right and it's it sounds fine uh it's com- completely uh i'm able to understand what he's saying and what he's saying uh i think is uh, super profound and important so i'm gonna i'm gonna play that I mean, you're 26 years old and, you know, I've covered plenty of players who didn't seem like they figured the ego part out until their thirties. I mean, who taught you about what it, why that's important and and to handle it that way?
2: I think, I think, I think uh, I'll say life. Usually i gonna tell you this. Usually when, uh, from my experience, right? Like when I think about like, oh yeah, I did this. I, you know, I'm so great. I had uh, 30. had 25, 10, and 10, or whatever the case might be, because right. you're going to think about that. Oh, we won this and that. Usually, the next day, you're going to suck. Right. You know, uh, <laughs> simple as that. You like the next few days, you're going to be terrible. And uh, I figured out like a mindset to have that, like, when you focus on the past, that's your ego. I did this. You know, um, we were able to, you know, uh, beat this team for all. We, we did the, I did this in the past, I want that in the past. Right. And when I focus in the future, it's my pride. Like, yeah, next game, game five, I do this and this and this. Right. You know, I'm going down. That's your pride target. Like, you, it doesn't happen. Like, you're right here. And um, I kind of like try to focus in the, you know, in the moment, in the present. And That's humility. That's being humble. That's not setting no expectation. That's going out there, and enjoying the game, competing at a high level. And uh, I think I've had people throughout my life that helped me with that, but that's a skill that I've tried to like, kind of, um, um, how you say, kind of like perfect it, master uh, yeah, master it, and uh, it's been working so far. Yeah. So I'm I'm not gonna stop.
0: You're doing okay. So yeah, I think on that note we can wrap this podcast up. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully I made some good points. As always, my Twitter handle is giraffe underscore dog. And then my the email for this podcast is uh, what's the deal, alexpod, P O D, at gmail.com. Um, yeah, uh, next uh, episode, uh, I'm going to probably jump right back into politics because there's, there's tons to talk about. And I also want to kind of venture into the uh, apologetics um conversation um and then just just religious you know judeo christian value type things i know it sounds very vague uh in the future so um, as always thanks for listening and i'll catch you guys in the next one